The scripture that we have for today is stir up the gift. (laughs) Stir up the gift, that's the title, but it is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul is talking to Timothy and he is reminding him to stir up what's on the inside, what's already there. Now, some of you may wonder, why do I have coffee up here, you know, and a glass cup? People ask me, you're putting that in a glass cup. So, well, I, I thought of this the other day when I was, when I was thinking of it. Uh, whenever we have, uh, say, put coffee in a cup, and if we let it sit there, we kind of see that there's different levels. There's the coffee that looks like at the top that there's nothing happened, very little happened. And then if you look at it very close, you can see that it's a lot lighter at the bottom bottom of the cup. And we would call that that it's settling, that, you know, different things, if you put oil and water together, it definitely will settle because they don't mix. Oil and water don't mix. So whenever we're thinking about stirring up the gift that God has given to us, We're not stirring up or coming to life in us something that doesn't mix. We're actually adding something that really does mix. And as we mix it all together, it becomes virtually inseparable. It's part of the mix. The coffee, the creamer, and all that is part of the mix. And now we have water that has been poured through coffee beans, hot beans, which it brings it out as coffee, which we enjoy to drink. Yeah, right, for some of you will say that. I don't hate coffee, you know, but anyhow, that's just the story there. So I wanted to get that out of the way so I could drink it, so, you know, uh, now I can go on with my sermon. All right, (laughs) but uh, the idea is that whenever we are stirring up the gift, all right, stir up the gift that is inside of you, it is important for us to remember all of us are gifted, Amen. Yes, thank you very much. All of us are gifted. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some of you think, well, no, I'm not gifted. I don't have all those those people were in a special class at school or whatever. I was never in that class. I was generally in, well, never mind. I won't go there. But anyhow, we are are gifted. And what what that means is we have been given a special gift. Now, there is... We're going to look at it from two perspectives. One is that while you were yet in your mother's womb, God put inside of you all the things that you would need for your life. Okay, so that there are, there are um, things inside of you that circumstance will bring out the best in you or the worst. <laughs> our, our, our natures determine the best or the worst. So if we pay attention to our spiritual nature, we are, we are being blessed by God by the difficulties that bring out the spiritual part of our life, the, the supernatural part of our life that helps us with our talents and our abilities. You know, people have talents. You know, some people are gifted. You know, they are, they are gifted in what they do. Uh, they play baseball or hockey or football or sports. We see the elite athletes and how the gifts that they have and how that they are able to do things almost effortless. We would say they're gifted. 
But there are also people that have giftings that have to be developed. Um, I think of, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. He was, anybody know the Shaq from basketball? <laughs> he was seven foot tall in high school. <laughs> and he was cut from the basketball team because he was too clumsy. He couldn't run up and down the court. And the coach had no time for him. <laughs> so he got in touch with a, a college coach who gave him a set of exercises to do that developed his strength, developed his coordination, and he became one of the great basketball players of all time. So we find that sometimes we outgrow ourselves. <laughs> you know, sometimes we need to just, we can't stop where we're at, and we can kind of look at where we're at and we say, wow, this is a curse. I'm seven foot tall and I can't walk down, the, I can't make it to the end of the court. But you see, it ended up being his greatest blessing. Now, I don't know how he is or where he is spiritually, but I know that in our lives, we all have giftings and they are not a curse. Now, stirring up, <laughs> you know, some people um, decided uh, to, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they, they stayed in bed. They're, they, you, know, they, you know what a holy roller is. They're a person who wakes up and sees the alarm and they shut the alarm off and roll over. I don't need to go to church. <laughs> I'm holy enough. And, uh, but God, has, God wants us to recognize we need the fellowship. And it's not only what's going to, what you are going to receive, but it's also what you are going to give, how that you're going to share. So we find that in the illustration of the coffee, we see that there is creamer and there's coffee and it's come together and it's mixed. Well, also in the story, we have John chapter 2, the scriptures that I'm going to use today. John chapter 2, and this is where Jesus is at the wedding at Cana, and the Mary tells the, um, um, the slaves, the stewards, or the um, servants, that whatever he tells you to do, you go do it. Well, there were six stone water pots where they were, used by the Jews for ritual washings. Now, each of these held about 20 or 30 gallons. Now, just to put a little perspective on this miracle that we are about to talk about, Jesus turns the water into wine, all right? Now, I'm not a wine connoisseur. I don't, you know, I've just figured you take grape juice and you, you know, squish them and put, let it sit there for a while, put it in a bottle, and it's all over. Now, well, I come to find out that it takes 30 gallons, oh wait, no, okay, each of these pots takes, has, we'll say it has 30 gallons. And um, a gallon of wine takes 872 gallons of water. Now, 30 <laughs> takes 800, times 872 equals 26,160 gallons of water to fill up one jug of wine, and you have six jugs times 26,000 makes 156,960 gallons of water <laughs> to do what Jesus did in telling them to go fill it up with water and changes it from water into wine to be one of the great things. Now, question, stirring up the gifts that are within us, for the servants who were there, the servants who were there, Jesus told them, fill up the jugs with water. Now, 
you're a servant. What does a servant do? He does what he's told. Now, what happens if the servant doesn't do what he's told? Is he fired? <laughs> he gets beaten <laughs> or he gets killed because the servant is the property of the master. Now, we are servants of Jesus Christ, bond servants, which means that we have willfully given ourselves to ownership of someone. In, in the old days here, that if you were a bond servant, it meant you had your papers that you were free, but you decided to take the mark, the brand of the, the home that you were living in, and you were going to be their servant for life. You willfully and intentionally chose to be a servant of that individual. Now, as a servant, you don't have choices. And <laughs> you, you don't wake up, see the alarm, turn it off, and roll over. <laughs> you, you don't do that when you go to work. Try doing that with uh, kids going to school. I don't feel like going to school today. <laughs> and, uh, they, you know, well, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like, but you see, I don't feel like going to work. You know, people, they kind of frown upon that when, where you work, you know. You call in sick a number of times, you know, that you call off while you're not going to be working there very long. So you're not going to have money to pay your bills. You're not going to have, you see, so there is a routine that we get into and we think that, and, and what happens is, and this is, this is where I'm talking about stirring up the gift, what happens is, we become complacent in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. There is no room for complacency in the kingdom of God. We cannot allow ourselves to settle. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, it talks about that Israel settled on their lees. And this is another wine-making process. That when wine is in a jug and they make it over a period of months or even years, what happens is that all of the impurities settle to the bottom. They're called lees, the little heavy particles. You ever have um, a gallon of, um, what's it called, iced tea? Okay, a gallon of iced tea. And you look at the bottom, there's a whole thing along the bottom. Anybody see that? Okay, in making wine, those are called lees. Now, someone told me, and again, I don't know if it's true or not, but whenever you have a, a gallon of iced tea, you should not shake it up. I do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because though that little sediment at the bottom is what calls, causes kidney stones. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. So I don't want to be sued. That's just an opinion. That's just what I heard, you know. So if you don't want to, if you don't drink it anymore, don't say I told you not to. Just go research it on your own. I was just putting that out there. Just an opinion. So what happens is we settle upon our ordinary everyday life, and those things stay there. Well, in the Old Testament, that the prophet was telling Israel, they settled on their lees. Well, what happens is that when the wine, after a period of time, settles, you have to pour it from that container to another but you don't empty it. The contaminants at the bottom, you leave and throw away. Now, you see, there are certain things and certain opinions and certain ideas that we carry around with us that we need to let settle 
and throw away. <laughs> because we have to stir up the gift that is within us, and the gift that God has given us, there, there are, uh, it, it is an everyday thing. It is an everyday ordinary thing. See, Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. Now, blind obedience. Jesus said, fill it up, we fill it up. Well, you see, the, the servants, they, they took Jesus literally. They filled it to the brim. You know, I, I, <laughs> you ever have a waitress fill your coffee, cu- your water cup up, and it's right there, and it's right over, there's, a, there's kind of a little friction against the edge of the cup, and there's a mound of water on your cup, and it's like, wow. If I move that, it's going to spill. Well, I imagine they filled it to the brim. <laughs> All right, so they filled it up. The slaves had no choice. See, Paul says in, uh, he says, I, I, Paul, am a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment. I have an assignment. Authorized as an apostle to proclaim God's words and acts. I do, I am on assignment from God to fulfill his word and his will and his purpose for my life. We, you and I, are all on assignment. We have an assignment to fulfill the will of God and the purpose of God. Now, he has given to us our natural abilities. All of us have natural abilities. How many can speak? Okay, the rest of you are in silent. Okay, how many have arms that they can raise? Uh, all right, we're getting close here. <laughs> but you see what we mean, that we all have something of which we can build on. We all have something that we can build on. We all have promises and blessings and things that we're capable of doing. You know, we all have these things. So we, we now... <laughs> We now fill your pitchers and take them to the host. Now, this is where we have a problem. First of all, we have a problem because as a slave, as a person, we look at what is natural. Okay, Here we've, okay in this case, we're looking at what we have and what we have is going to run out. I am not capable of doing. I'm not capable of doing something learning something, going somewhere. I am not capable because I've started and I'm going to run out before I get there. Now, Rhonda practices this all the time. If you look at her gas gauge, (laughs) even the neighbors will ask her, do you have gas in your car? At uh, Pomeroy's, she would go in and uh, the, the, the uh, clerks would say, you were almost out, weren't you? <laughs> and they would say, they would tell her, don't tell your husband, just call us, we'll come get you. <laughs> because she doesn't look at the gas gauge. How many don't look at the gas gauge when you get in your car? Huh? There's, see, there's, there's one. I'm sh- there are other sinners in this group, I'm sure. No, I'm not sinners. But we all have things that we do and don't do. We all have those little things that, you know, we don't pay attention to, you know? I, when I was growing up on the farm, it was my responsibility to put fuel in all the machines. If my dad and them were going to the field, it had to be full. So I had to make sure everything was filled up so they didn't run out of fuel when they were there. So it was just kind of my thing that I had to do even when I was a little kid. Before I was, you know, 
I was driving a car when I was five, six years old, you know, driving tractors and things around. So, you know, go fill up the tractor. Hey, like that job. You know, I'm hanging on the wheel and, you know, driving around, pulled up to the gas station, the gas station, the gas pump and fill it up. So that was my job. Well, you see, stirring up the gift that is in us is stirring up the things inside of us that are already there. It's already in there. Yeah. You see, it's already in you. So we look at this. When the host tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know what had just happened, but the servants knew. So can you imagine what the servants felt whenever the guy says, and he called out to the bridegroom, Hey, bridegroom, come over here. Imagine what the slaves felt like. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> I listened to that guy. We don't really know who he is. He's Jesus, but who's that? who's that? What can he do? He told us to fill it up with water, and we gave the guy water. Somewhere between the filling up of the pots, the emptying into the containers, and taking the containers and putting them in the cup, and the cup being drunk, the miracle took place. Now, two things here. One is, we don't know how the miracle is going to take place or where it's going to take place. If we would have, start, if we would have started the analysis, let's look at the pots that are there. Are they, did they change when they filled them up with water? Did, did it become wine whenever they, took the, they, took, they poured them out into the pitchers? Did it become wine when they poured it from the pitcher into the cup? Did it become wine when the cup before he drank it. When did the miracle happen? We don't know. I always assume that it happened in the, in the container, but I don't know. We don't, doesn't say. When does the miracle happen in your life? How long before we obey God till the miracle arrives? You see, if you don't stir up the gift that is in you, you never fill up the pitcher, the pots. If you don't stir up the gift within you, you don't pour out of the pots into the pitcher. If you don't stir up the, the gift that is in you, you don't take the pitcher and pour it into the cup. If you don't stir up the gift that is in you, you don't take a drink of it because you know what it is. It's water. Stirring up the gift that is in us is being able to obey and to expect. Did you know... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if the bridegroom, there again, we're, we're assuming some things here. Does the bridegroom know, what's that? <laughs> My cup runneth over. It spills. We'll empty it a little further, dear. Okay. My tank isn't quite full. <laughs> so, the bridegroom does he know he's about out of wine? Or is he not paying attention? Just assuming that there's enough. And the thing is, it's an unexpected miracle for the bridegroom. Jesus is helping the bridegroom out and the bridegroom doesn't even know he's in trouble. You see, we don't know 
But God has been giving you and I miracles all along the way, and we didn't even know we were lacking. How many things has God performed in our lives? How many situations has he helped us in? And we are just simply taking it for granted that it was part of the whole plan. There was plenty there. You know, why did, what's the fuss? <laughs> Whenever the guy says to the bridegroom, why did you serve your best wine to the last? The bridegroom says, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's a servant's fault. <laughs> no, he wasn't looking for someone to blame. He was looking for someone to congratulate. And God has been performing miracles for us all along. We just haven't noticed. You see, there is sometimes God talks to us, and then sometimes God talks for us. Now, here Jesus was talking to the servants and telling them to fill up the, the pitchers and, you know, the pots and then pour it out. Whenever in, in the other place where this is, uh, another place where this is seen is whenever Boaz and Ruth, Ruth is working in the field, and Boaz sees Ruth, and he, you know, he's, he thinks she's, she's hot. And uh, so he tells, he tells his workmen, leave her some handfuls so she doesn't have to work as hard, and she can fill up her need, her grain, more quickly. So in our life, Ruth doesn't know this. She's just going along and she's collecting all this grain and she's taking, you know, she's taking this stuff home. And she just, you know, they're just doing what's in front of her, picking it up and taking it home. And her and Naomi are, you know, they're able to thresh the, the, the wheat and get all this, the, you know, the, the wheat and, and have their, fill their bags with grain. And, and, and Ruth doesn't even know what's happening. She finds out later, you know, Boaz has been dropping handfuls there, having his workmen drop handfuls for her so that she can collect what she needs. So she has to be actively doing. Stir up the gift that is in you. We have to be active. We have to be active with our gifts. There's a time that God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Okay? But there's a time when God says, go to the field and, and watch the harvest. Reap the harvest. There's a time when God says, plant the seed. The time's coming. <laughs> you know, some people are the, the, the February blues, in the middle of the winter blues. Well, you see, this is a time to stir up the gift that is in us. You look at the trees around you and remember the trees look dead, but the life is still in the trees. They're still alive. They just don't have leaves on and because it's winter and because it's, you know, the sun has not been shining as much, it's starting to increase now. We're getting more, hour, more minutes of daylight every day. You know, we're on our way to spring. But we're not there yet. And, you know, we can have six more weeks of winter if that rodent sees his shadow, you know. But, you see, we trust our lives to a rodent. <laughs> you know, it's a big rat. I know there are people in Puxatawney listen to this. They won't like that. I'm sorry. There was a pastor that lived up there, and, and, and he talked to, he said about the Punxsutawney Phil, and jokingly he says, well, it's a cult around here, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but I'm not, it's not a cult. It's just the rodent, you know. Okay. But anyhow, we don't trust our lives to 
wives' tales and, and shadows and whatever, we trust ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and stir up the gift that is in you is to pay attention. You know, when David, David found himself alone and he was in a, in a foreign, you know, his walk with God was at its lowest and people had deserted him. And the scripture says that David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes we just need to encourage ourselves. We can't look to somebody else. We can't look to the weather. We can't look to the astrology. We don't look to the astrology. We don't look to the stars. We look to the, the one who created the heavens and the earth. You know, they serve him, and we serve him. And we don't have to look to the stars to find our future. We look to the, the light, Jesus Christ, and, and receive our salvation. So, now, we all have times when we are overwhelmed. <laughs> We all have times when we feel like a seed that this dirt on top of us is too heavy for us to do anything. But you know what? If the seed's not in the dirt, it'll never grow. So you see, the things that appear to be oppressive are only there to grow through. See, so that's what happens when we stir up the gift that is inside of us. We grow through the circumstance. We grow through the difficulty. The difficulties don't go away. But the more we pay attention to God, the more we understand that God is with us and the strength that he gives us to overcome. So everyone has weaknesses. <laughs> you know, some people are complainers. Some people are doubters. Some people know it all. Some people are critics. I have a whole list here. There are, there are people who are full of fear. There are people who are unkept. <laughs> I don't only mean with their clothing, I mean in their spirit. <laughs> there are quitters and there are stubborners. I made that one up. <laughs> stubborners. They're just like quitters. <laughs> there are those who are not good enough and there are those who are filled with pride. But all have need to overcome, but we do so by seeing our need and then taking steps personally and spiritually to overcome them. You see, everyone has a difficulty. Everyone has something that they have to go through. God doesn't take us out, he takes us through. Because if everything is removed, you know, um, and I thought about this, uh, they were trying to, um, they were growing trees. They, wanted, they were trying to do this experiment like living on Mars and stuff. And I know the movie Mars, I, you know, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But uh, they, they put uh, trees in these environments where there was no wind, there was just only sunlight and growth and whatever. Trees grew. And do you know what happened to the trees? the limbs broke off. The, they were not strong enough to support the leaves and the fruit because it took the wind, it takes the wind and the bending and the twisting and the turning to strengthen the trees so that they connect and that, they, that they're strong. And the strength that they have came from the wind. The difficulties that we have and the strength that we need for tomorrow often is in the trials that we face today. God never wastes anything. So we are, we are then, we are praying and we are asking God to be with us. Now, 
Sometimes we are stirring up the gift within us and we need to pay attention to God and we want, to, we want God to, to help us. And so, um, you know, um, one of, I have a bunch of stories, but the, the one here I think of is that we're going to take a test. Okay, going to have a test. Everybody has tests. You know what? I'm not going to study and God's going to give me the answers, then I'll know God is with me. Well, you see, I'm not going to go to work today, but God is going to keep my job for me. <laughs> you know, I am not going to, and God is going to. No, it's not how it works. You see, we need to thank God for the test, <laughs> and then, but thank God to help us study for the test, and thank God to help us take the test. We need to thank God for the work and thank God for the opportunity to go to work and for the strength of God to stay at work and do my job before the Lord. You see, thanking God for giving me the ability to, we have the ability to do, to, you know, to be where we're at, live in our neighborhood, live with the family. Some people need miracles to live with their family. <laughs> Not any of us. But anyhow... <laughs> But we recognize that there's no weapon formed against you is ever going to prosper. Why is no weapon formed against me is going to prosper? Why? Because God will take care of evil. See, we don't need to worry about the people who are against us. You see, when we start focusing on what is wrong, we lose focus of, of who is right. And it isn't that I'm right, but God is right. And God's spirit is in my spirit. And those people who fight me, I need to remember, if there is something that I'm doing, I need to ask God to make me aware of it and give me the strength to change. But I also not get off course by focusing on people who don't like me because God will have to take care of that. So we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So we find that anyone who comes against us will lose, will fail. You see, you have to stir up the gift inside of you. So what is the gift? I had a whole bunch more, but I'll preach that next Sunday. What is the gift? The gift that you have is the gift of you. You know, you look in the mirror, and it's you. God made you exactly who you are. He put within you the talents and the abilities that you have. Now, bring together the word of God. God is for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Stir up the gift and get on, on board. Get, on, get, on, get in the word. Allow the spirit to work in your heart. Read the scriptures. Pay attention to what God is doing and saying in your life. And know that God will lead you each step of the way. He will give you strength for each step. I don't know why things happen the way they do. I don't know why difficulties come the way they do. But it's up to us to respond. We must respond to life. Sometimes it's be still and know that I am God. Sometimes it's, you know, get your butt out of the chair and go to work. You know? Sometimes it's, you know, be at peace. Sometimes it's don't allow fear. Do not allow fear to be a part of our life. Stir up the gift. The gift that we have is the gift of Jesus Christ. 
and he is alive in us to help us every moment of our lives. So no matter where we are at, Jesus is there. No matter what we face, Jesus is with us. Stir up the gift. God has blessed you with special gifts. Some of them are natural. Some of them are supernatural. God will use them. And see, the purpose that we have is to serve. We have been gifted to serve. Serve Christ serve others, and know that God will lead us. He that is greatest among you will be the servant of all. And it doesn't mean that we're the slave. We could even be the president of the corporation because we are serving the people under the corpor- in the corporation. You see, servant doesn't mean slave at the bottom of the totem pole. Servant means we can be any place in a position of leadership or pushing the broom. It doesn't matter. We're here to serve. And if, we can, if, we're, if our responsibility is to push the broom, we want it to be the cleanest place around. If our responsibility is to lead the organization, we want to be the best leader around. Because stir up the gift that God has given you. Amen? Let's stand. Stir your blood, get off of your butt, and get going. <laughs> What's that? Be active. Go after it. Get up. Get going. <laughs> Be alive. <laughs> God, we thank you for the life of the Spirit, the breath of life, the love, the, pur- the purpose, the perfection, the blessing. God, all that that comes to us by your Spirit and your Word. Help us, O oh Lord, to stir. Feel that stirring in our spirit of what you will do and how you will bless and how you will take us from this moment to the next and you will prepare a way and a place and a purpose, and Lord, you'll give us words to say as we need them to be said, and you'll give us strength to be able to do the deeds that are ahead of us, and God, we do so knowing that you have a plan for our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you live within our hearts, you have a purpose for us, and God, we want to serve you with all of our hearts. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Don't forget to come downstairs.